for their salvation is not a task merely to pastors or to people specially gifted. Every one of us are called to be about the task of evangelism. So if you're a believer, you are not exempt. This message is for you applicable immediately. First, we see that when we share the gospel with others, we must be honest about who we are. We see in this passage the testimony or the story or the witness of John the Baptist. Just like each of us has a story about how we came to know and trust Jesus as our Savior, John the Baptist has a story about how he came to know Jesus as his Savior. Verse 19 tells us that he was approached by some religious leaders, priests and Levites, who came to question John about who he was. They asked if he was the Christ or the Messiah. You may remember that a couple weeks ago we looked at this idea in Scripture that the Old Testament had declared about, had made statement about this Messiah, this, this coming Christ. John, however, was clear in his answer. He was not the Messiah. The priests and Levites remembered from Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, that God had said, quote, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction, unquote. Not understanding that this same prophecy was also about the Messiah, they asked him this question, thinking that maybe Elijah was somebody different. John was clear. He was not Elijah. Then they asked him if he was the prophet, whose coming was foretold in Deuteronomy 18, 15, where it says, quote, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Again, the priests and Levites didn't understand that this same prophecy was also about the coming Messiah. Yet they asked John this question. John, again, was very clear. He was not the prophet. When pressed for an answer about his identity, he knew exactly who he was. He was the fulfillment of prophecy, but not a prophecy about the Messiah. He was the forerunner of the Messiah, the one who would merely prepare the way, as it was foretold in Isaiah 40, verse 3, which we had in our scripture reading. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That was John's task. Finding out the humble position of the baptizer, looking, out, looking at in verse 25, uh, the religious leaders were confused, and they were wondering why in the world is he baptizing? He's not Elijah. He's not the prophet. He's not the Christ. Why is he baptizing? Now, baptism was commonly practiced in the first century, typically when a Gentile converted to Judaism. When someone that was not born into Judaism, they converted to Judaism, they would baptize themselves. They were considered ceremoniously or ritually unclean. So they would go into a pool and baptize themselves. The word baptism means to dip, to plunge. So they would dunk themselves, if you will. And they would, uh, they would then, then baptize themselves as they converted to Judaism. And also sometimes a Jew who considered themselves to be unclean for whatever reason might decide to baptize themselves as well. But John was proposing that everyone needed to repent and be baptized, Jews and Gentiles. This was extremely offensive to the Jewish people. They were thinking, we're God's chosen people. Why do we have to be baptized? 
They were completely surprised by this. They were highly offended by what John was saying. Not only this, but he was also baptizing others. You know, see, as baptism was practiced, they were ba a person would baptize themselves. But here, John was actually doing the dunking himself. He was the one that was baptizing somebody else. That was completely unheard of. This was the bizarre, wild things among the other bizarre, wild things John the Baptist was doing. This was some of the other bizarre things he was doing. For these religious leaders, if John was not the Messiah or Elijah, or the prophet, then he had no authority to be continuing baptizing and asking people to repent. John then, in light of this, he reiterated his purpose, that he merely baptized with water, and that he was preparing the way for someone else, someone who was so great that John was not even worthy to untie his sandals. That's how great this guy was that he was preparing Often we think of John the Baptist as a great man, a great man of God. Certainly, Jesus spoke very highly of him. In Matthew 11, 11, Jesus says of him, Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has raised, been raised no one greater than John the Baptist. However, as we look in this passage, John didn't have any delusions of grandeur. He knew that he was not the Messiah, nor anyone who should be considered as highly as the Messiah. He was honest about who he was when sharing his testimony with others. Sometimes we imagine that we're not worthy to share the gospel, or that somehow we must meet certain spiritual qualifications in order to share the gospel with someone, or sometimes when we're sharing the gospel, we feel like we have to have all the answers or pretend to be some kind of super Christian. Like John, we need to be honest about who we are. We, need to, we, need, we do not need to be some super Christian with all the answers or hide our faults and pretend to be that Christian that never struggles with sin. We don't need to reach some level of spirituality before we can be qualified to share the gospel. Instead, we must be honest. It's perfectly acceptable to be open about who you really are, a sinner saved by grace. Amen. Let us reject the idea that we must somehow hide ourselves in order to make the gospel glorious. In fact, the gospel is shown to be most glorious because we are still broken people. Amen. Yet God continues to work on us, and he continues to hold us secure in our salvation. There's no need to pretend. John was able to be so bold because he was honest about who he was. He wasn't the Christ. He wasn't Elijah. He wasn't the prophet. He was just preparing the way. And we can be bold because we have a Savior who offers salvation even though we each will continue to struggle with sin. Secondly, today, we see that we must be honest when sharing the gospel because like John, we must be bold when sharing the gospel. <clears throat> if you look in, back in your Bibles, we see that the very next day, in verse 29, the very next day after these leaders had questioned him, Jesus comes. Jesus, uh, Jesus comes to John. What is most interesting is how John responds. You may remember from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was, that John was Jesus' cousin, older than Jesus by six months. Yet John says both in 31 and 33 that he did not know him. Seems puzzling. 
Certainly John knew his cousin. But John didn't know the true identity of his cousin. That Jesus is the very son of God, the second person of the Trinitarian Godhead. That's what John didn't know. Now when John first sees Jesus, if you see in your Bibles, he declares, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The true sacrificial Lamb foretold throughout Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy through the many sacrifices instituted by the Lord was now revealed to the world. Those sacrifices could not permanently appease the wrath of God. But Jesus, as the true Lamb of God, was able to, uh, the one that all the sacrifices point to, he was able to fully appease God's righteous wrath that was intended to be poured out on you and intended to be poured out on me. And if you are a believer, Jesus has taken that wrath on himself because he is the true Lamb of God. Further, God had promised a lamb to replace the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22. If you look in Genesis 22, this is when Abraham is about to sacrifice his son Isaac. And in, in, in approaching this sacrifice, they, they head up the mountain and Isaac asks his dad, asks, asks Abraham, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. Now, if you remember the story and remember the details, if you look back at it, when after Abraham, after God stops Abraham from sacrificing his own son, does he provide a lamb? If you look at the passage, a ram is provided, not a lamb. There's a ram that's caught in the thickets. Why? Because the promised lamb hadn't shown up yet. Because Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy that God would provide himself a lamb. That ram was not the sacrifice that replaced the sacrifice of Isaac. Not the sacrifice that replaces our sin. It's Jesus Christ who replaces that. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You'll find that for, for that particular sacrifice, God provided a ram and not a lamb. God's promise to Abraham was finally fulfilled in providing the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. As we saw last week, even though John was six months older than Jesus, Jesus, being the Son of God, existed before all of creation. John now recognizes truth and explained that Jesus is the Messiah that he had been proclaiming during his ministry. The one whom he, is, he had described as, quote, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John's ministry of calling people to repentance and to baptism was to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. He explained that, quote, it was for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. In other words, John says, the whole reason I'm here is to point at him, and he's the one that our focus should be on. What happens next is fascinating. As John baptized the Lamb of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, descended from heaven in the form of a dove and rested on Jesus, an affirmation of the divine nature of Jesus. John was told by the Father, quote, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then he saw it. There it was. When John saw the Holy Spirit descend on and rest on Jesus, he knew for sure who his cousin truly was. In climactic fashion, at the end of this passage, in climactic fashion, John boldly declares what he now knew to be 100% true. He declared that Jesus is the Son of God. 
as we share the gospel with others. Not only should we be honest about who we are, but we can boldly proclaim the gospel. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is not only fully human, but also fully God. John's witness to this fact urges us to be bold when we proclaim this truth to people who do not follow Jesus. We don't need to be embarrassed about the truths of the gospel, things like the virgin birth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the full divinity and humanity of Christ. We can boldly proclaim these truths because we know that they are true. These truths are not children's stories for the weak-minded, they are the revelation of a loving God to a broken world. The revelation of salvation offered through Jesus Christ. We must be and can be bold as we share Jesus with others. Even further, we can be bold because Jesus promised that he would be with us when we share the gospel in Matthew chapter 28. At the end of his great commission, he shared to share the gospel, he promised, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When we share the gospel, we can be confident that it is true, and we can be confident that Jesus will be right beside us when we share the gospel. So in conclusion today, do you share the, the truths of the gospel with those, around, those whom God has placed around you? When you do, know that you should be honest about who you are. Don't pretend to have all of your life together. Such a witness will be a false witness. We are sinners saved by grace. That's the beauty of the gospel. Also, you can be bold when you share the gospel because it is true. You need not be ashamed. Secondly, if you're not a follower of Jesus, will you give your life to him today? To the, to the one who is the son of God, our hope of salvation in a broken world, our only hope of salvation in a broken world. And third, church, will we be honest in our corporate witness about the gospel? Will we boldly proclaim the truths of the gospel in a way, in the way we function as a body of believers in this community? May we as a church boldly proclaim the gospel in word and in action. And when we're going to have an invitation, and this is an opportunity to respond. Before we have Lord's Supper, we'll give you one quick opportunity to respond. If you are not a believer, this is an opportunity for you to come and share that that is the case, and I'd love to pray with you and chat with you after the service if you want. Uh, if you are a believer and you just need to spend some time with the Lord, the, this altar is open. There's nothing special about these stairs, but if this is a moment that you need to have with the Lord, the altar is open. <clears throat> and finally, uh, during this time, if, as a church, we should be uh, thinking about how we as a church proclaim the gospel in our witness as a church. Uh, let me pray for us, and we'll open up the invitation. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message. Thank you for John and his testimony to us. Thank you that we'll be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Let us then examine ourselves. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, or have not been baptized as a believer, please let the elements pass by. Brothers and sisters, if there is any other reason that you may consider yourself unworthy, please, again, let the elements pass by.
take a moment to examine yourselves.